0: Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday morning podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. So this morning, as we come to celebrate communion, it, we're in our study of uh, Moses, and we've been studying in Sunday school and church, the life of Moses and the life of Israel from the time of the Exodus. And so it's appropriate this morning, as we go to Exodus chapter 12 whoops, excuse me and we have the last of the plagues upon Israel, and we are going to consider, before we receive communion today, we're going to reconsider the Passover, the Passover celebration. Exodus chapter 12. Uh, let's pray together. Father, as we open your word for a few moments before we share in communion together, uh, we just pray our hearts to be sensitive to your word and that we would appreciate the sacrifice for our sins and the call to obedience and the service and that your love for us will be known this day. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Exodus chapter 11 and 12, after the nine plagues on the land of Egypt, And we come to the last of the plagues that, as we've studied in our classes this morning, these take place over about a year. Um, When you read it in Exodus, it almost kind of sounds like they take place, boom, 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 boom. But if you look at the seasons mentioned and different things, it appears to be about over a year's time the land of Egypt has been devastated because of Pharaoh's refusal to obey God and to let the people go to the promised land. And we have in chapter 11, verse 1, Now the Lord said to Moses, I will bring one more plague on Pharaoh and on Egypt. After that, he will let you go from here. And when he does, he will drive you out completely. Not only will he let you go, he will push you out. He will make you leave. He will beg you to leave. And so we have the account of the Passover. And some of the things about the Passover I'd like us to consider this morning, really going to chapter 12, 11, 12, and 13, really tell this story of the Passover. And first of all, we'll go to chapter 12. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, This month is to be for you the first month, the first month of the year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. So we are in the spring of year. Today in the Hebrew calendar It's the month of Nisan. It was a different name in the, uh, in the Hebrew text originally. But it's the, the really kind of, two, if you know the Jewish calendar, you know that the new year is Rosh Hashanah in the fall. But the new year of their salvation, the, the, you could say the spiritual new year, is really in the spring and this becomes the first or the head of the month, the important, the important month, because this is the month of their redemption. That's why it's called the first month, uh, the, the first of the head, the important month. And the tenth day of this month is when this celebration begins. And what they're to do is to take a lamb for each family, for each household. And he even gives the details in verse 4, If any household is too small for a whole lamb... They must share one with their nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people there are. You are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. So we have this idea that each family, and today it's a family of ten, comprises a family. And if you have too small a family, you invite someone to join you for Passover as they celebrate Passover each spring in Jewish families today. Um, and uh, you invite people and you gather around and you have this family gathering for this day and then we have the, the determination of the animal on this day you are to you are to take verse 5 the animals you choose must be a year old male without defect and you may take them from the sheep or the goats take care of them until the 14th day of the month when all the people of the community of Israel must slaughter them at once at twilight so the animal that is prescribed for Passover is, essentially, it's the best. You take the, the most valued, the most perfect, the lamb or the goat that is worth the most. You don't take the one, as I've mentioned before, that's going to die anyway. That is not a sacrifice, to give God something that's going to die anyway. You take the one that is worth the most to you, and you take that lamb And you are to kill it. You are to slay it. Now animal sacrifice, of course, is not something we participate in today. In the Old Testament, it was part of the tradition that God gave them. And we'll see why and what it is looking forward to. But God told them to take that lamb, to take that goat, one year old, and to slay it and to kill it all together at once on this particular night. Because on this night, It is a night that is very important. And he says in verse 7, They are to take some of the blood, and they are to put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs, the place where you have this celebration. And that same night, they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire along with bitter herbs and bread without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or cooked in water, but roast it over the fire, head, legs, inner parts, do not leave any of it till morning. If some is left till morning, you must burn it. This is, this is completely destroyed completely. This is how you are to eat it. And I want you to notice, with your cloak tucked in your belt, your sandals on your feet, your staff in your hand, eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. And the reason for that is in verse 12. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt. And I will strike down every firstborn, both men and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be assigned for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. The story of the Passover. This is Israel's Epical freedom story. We have sung today about the cross of Calvary. The cross of Calvary where Jesus Christ died on the cross and shed his blood for our sins is our epical story of salvation. This is the event that we celebrate and we we remember and we call our attention to is what has saved us and freed us. For Israel, it was the Passover. This is their epical event of freedom. It's why they still celebrate it every year. In the spring, around the same time as Easter generally, um, they celebrate the Passover. Because on that night, the angel of death was to pass through the land. I want you to notice the importance of the blood covering that provided the atonement, that covered and provided the salvation or freedom for the firstborn in that family. Because of this, because the firstborn of every family, of every livestock, is to be killed. That would be killed that night if there was no blood splattered on the doorpost and on the top. And, of course, we almost see, of course, the image of the cross. The blood on the top, the blood on the side doorpost from that lamb became a covering for the house and it became a covering for the firstborn. We read in this passage as well, looking ahead in chapter 13, we'll read, that because of this, in the years to come, in chapter 13 and verse 11, after the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites and gives it to you, as He promised, looking ahead on the oath of you and your forefathers, you are to give over to the Lord the first offspring of every womb. All the firstborn males of your livestock belong to the Lord. Redeem it with a lamb, every firstborn donkey. If you don't, you must kill it. You must break its neck. It's this important. Redeem every firstborn among your sons. And we have here the redemption of the firstborn, that every firstborn from here on out belongs to God, because God saved the firstborn on Passover. And that is why when Jesus was brought to the temple, and they offered, that, they offered the, the offering of, of the poor people. Mary and Joseph were so poor, they had to offer the pigeons. There were two different sets of offerings. Those who could afford it, and those for the poor. And as poor people, they came and they offered the pigeons to redeem Jesus back because he belonged to God as part of their family. That's part of the Passover story. The firstborn always belongs to the Lord. And so on that night, the night of the angel of death passing over the land, it was the firstborn that would be redeemed by the covering of the blood. The blood was essential. This is not up to us. This is what God said the blood was essential the blood had to be applied and if it wasn't the firstborn would be struck down it was an act of faith you could ask why you could ask why is god doing this but by doing it you showed your faith in god and demonstrated your faith in god by applying the blood to the doorposts and at the top and giving the firstborn that that first that one-year-old lamb or goat that was so valuable of giving that to the Lord. And the angel of death would, would come and pass over the land. I wonder what it was like that night for the firstborn in every family. How many of you here are firstborn sons? Let me see your hand. Okay. What would it be like that night for you? If you heard this message, if you heard, after, after seeing these plagues that God has done over Egypt, you know He means what He says. He has brought nine devastating plagues. He's done miracles. The land is covered in blackness, but the land of Goshen had light. We've seen the plagues come and go. They knew that God would do what He said He would do. And what would it be like as firstborn that night if you were in that house and you knew the angel of death was passing over the land and if this was not done right, your life would be required. The firstborn... On that night was the one whose life was at stake before they could leave Egypt. Friends, this is a urgent situation. I want you to notice what we read in chapter 12, how they were to eat this meal. This is not a relaxing family dinner. This is not Thanksgiving. This is not invite your friends over and relax and talk and chat and now uh, wait for the angel of death to pass over friends. This is a night of urgency. It's urgent. Notice what he says here in verse 10 of chapter 12. We read, "Do not leave any of it till morning. You must burn it. Get rid of it. When the, 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 all has to be gone. This is how you are to eat it. You eat it with your cloak tucked into your belt. You have your shoes on your feet. You are to eat it standing up. We even find." And you eat it quickly because the Lord is going to pass through this land tonight. And this last plague is going to be so devastating that Pharaoh is going to demand you to get out of my land. And when he does, you be ready to go. If you're lingering, if you hesitate, if you wait, you know what Pharaoh will do to you after the rest leave if you're the only one left. This is a night of Urgency it is a night of obedience and it is a night of faith. Don't wait for the bread to rise. That's why it's unleavened bread. There is no time for the bread to rise. And this is why when we serve communion, we serve an unleavened cracker. Because we are celebrating the Lord's Last Supper when He served Passover with His disciples and they eat unleavened bread. It's a reminder. There is no time for the bread to rise. When it's time to go, you must be ready to leave. In verse 21, we find the rest of the story. Moses summoned all the elders of Israel and he said to them, Go at once. Select the animals for your families. Slaughter the Passover lamb, that little helpless lamb. Now, we have a, a one-year-old dog in our in our home right now, really cute little uh, poodle mixed dog. He's one-year-old. He loves to play with our eight-year-old dog, <laughs> who is sort of, uh, you know, you got to remember, he's about 50, she's 56 in human terms, right? And uh, so she gets tired a little faster at playing. But this little one-year-old dog that is, that is fun and, and vivacious and full of energy and a family pet and alive and, and cute, take that little one-year-old animal, that lamb, that frisky lamb that wants to play, that goat that your kids like to play with, slaughter it, slice its neck, drain its blood, eat it as a family. And eat it in haste. It is a sacrifice to God. And take that little animal's blood, that little innocent animal, take its blood and put it on the doors. And when you do this, in verse 12, when he says this, none of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. When the Lord comes through the land to strike down the Egyptians, he will see the blood. The angel will see the blood on the top and the signs, and he will pass over, hence Passover. And he will not permit the destroyer to enter your houses and to strike you down. Verse 29, at midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh, the prince of Egypt, the one who would be the next Pharaoh, the one they worshipped as God, because they worshipped Pharaoh as God, the son of Pharaoh, and the son of every home in Egypt, from the Pharaoh to the servant, and the livestock, they were all struck down. And Pharaoh and his officials, and all the Egyptians, got up during the night, and there was a loud wail, you could hear it throughout the land, For not a house was left without someone dead. It was during that night. You notice, it wasn't the next day. It was during the night. Pharaoh called in Moses and Aaron and said, Up, leave my people, you and the Israelites. Go worship as you have said. Take your flocks and your herds and leave and go. And the Israelites were ready. With their staff in their hand. Their shoes on their feet. Their cloak tucked into their belt. They were ready to travel with a little bit of provision. The unleavened bread they brought wasn't going to last them very long. And 600, think of it, 600,000 plus that night got ready to go and they left the land of Egypt and went to freedom. Friends, there are times for relaxing dinners and there are times for urgency. And this was a day of urgency. The reason we celebrate the Lord's Supper, and the reason we believe that these these pictures and these experiences of sacrifice in the Old Testament, and the reason we don't sacrifice today, is because they were looking forward to the cross of Calvary. They were looking forward to Calvary. They were a picture of what was to come when the Lord's firstborn would die on the cross of Calvary. 1 Peter chapter 2, before we receive the communion together, we are reminded of this. The Apostle Peter, the Apostle who was so close to the Lord Jesus Christ, he writes this epistle. And in 1 Peter, In chapter 2, we have this well-known statement of our Lord Jesus Christ. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and in verse 24, He Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By His wounds... You have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray. But now you have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. And you know, I was thinking about this when reading this. And by His wounds, I have been healed. I have been forgiven. I have been freed. Because of His blood. On that Passover night, The blood of the Lamb applied to the doors and the top of the door, door, lintel in the doors, provided a covering and protection. So when the angel of death passed over, the house was protected and the firstborn in that house was protected. When Jesus Christ went to the cross of Calvary and He went there, there was no protection for Him. There was no blood. When death came that night that we celebrate on Good Friday, there was no protection for Him. There was nothing. Because His blood had to be shed as payment for my sin. And it tells us exactly what happened on the cross at Calvary. We say, how could that be? How is it possible? Why do Christians talk about the blood of Jesus? Why do we sing about it? Why do we talk about it? Because it tells us right there, the Bible tells us in the Old Testament, the life is in the blood. The life is in the blood. Last night in the news, there was a very emotional testimony by one of the ladies at the shooting up north that was there in that cosmetic counter and the blood that was splattered on her from another woman who was shot. And, and you know the life is in the blood as it as it as it goes away, and it's just so tragic to think of these things happening in our own communities. The life is in the blood, and when Jesus Christ shed his blood on the cross of calvary, i was his wounds healed me. why? because he bore he took my sin on the cross of calvary, he took my sin, he carried it, and he was punished by God on the cross of Calvary, and there was no covering for him. Because it was the only way. He cried out in the garden, Lord, if there be any other way, let this cup pass. But there was no other way. There was no other possible way. Because a holy, righteous, perfect sacrifice, holy, could only take my place. And only a human could be my substitute. And He was the God-man. Fully God and fully man. And he covered us that night when he died on the cross of Calvary. It is an urgent message. It's an important message. And we find that balance in our life between enjoying his blessings and watching, you know, enjoying birth of a new child. We're going to leave on Wednesday, go back and enjoy our, our new baby granddaughter, Isla. I-L-A. Isla Susan. We're going to go back and enjoy that. We're going to enjoy what God has blessed us with. We enjoy our life. We enjoy being here this morning. We enjoy this beautiful weather. But we also balance that in our lives. There is a sense of urgency about the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is so important. This is why we have missions conference coming up. It is so important. It is such an important message. It is so important. As we gather to receive communion this morning, we do so. Because of what the Paul, Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I'm going to ask our elders to come forward at this time. And we're going to serve to you the bread first. And as we do so, I'm going to ask that they're going to pass the plates to you. And for those of you who might be visiting today, if you would just if you would take one, but just hold it. Because we like to do this as a church family. We like to eat together. So as the plate comes to you, if you would just uh, take a, a piece of a bread and if you would just hold it, and I also want to remind you, there, there are those of you that, are, that can't eat gluten. We always have some in the back in the narthex that are gluten-free. You can pick up and bring in with you as well if you'd like. As we pass this to you today, um, the elders are going to pass it, and I, I appreciate at our church how we do this, that uh, these, these elders, these men who have served as elders, that um, they are the shepherds of this flock, and uh, they are here to serve And as we bring this to you today, we do this because the the, the Apostle Paul said, I receive from the Lord what I pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took that cup of blessing. And he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it, in remembrance of Me. For whenever you eat this bread, drink this cup, you proclaim, you announce the Lord's death until He comes. So We're going to serve the bread to you. Now if you would just take it and just hold it and just meditate for a few moments on the love of our Lord Jesus Christ and God who provided atonement for us and gave Himself for us. And then we will share it together, and then we'll share in a song together. God told Moses, Obey these instructions as a lasting ordinance for you and your descendants. When you enter the land that the Lord will give you as He promised, observe this ceremony. And when your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you? Why why do we do this? Why every year do we do this? You tell them. It is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt and spared our homes when He struck down the Egyptians. And the people bowed down and they worshipped. The Apostle Paul said, The Lord told me to tell you this. You should do this. You should share in the bread and the cup together as a reminder, as a memorial. And when your children ask you, And when our young people ask, why do we always do this? You tell them, we do this as a memorial of the Lord's death until he comes. We must always keep this in front of us, and we must never lose sight of this. And this is important that we share as a family and as a community of faith and proclaim the love of God as we share this bread. Let us eat the bread together, have a moment of silence, and we'll share in a song together. Lord, we thank You that this bread represents the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, that perfect, holy, sinless body that was broken for us. And we eat this as a community of faith and proclaim the love of God that's been shed abroad in our hearts. We're going to serve the cup as well. And if likewise, if you would just hold it for a few moments, of reflective prayer, and we will share the cup together. I know I've mentioned before here, but uh, when my father came to this country, he had a few cents in his pocket. The only thing he really brought was his name, Shemariah. And I must confess, whenever I'm reading the Old Testament, I'm reading through the Hebrew, which I'm not proficient at, but I can read it, um, Whenever I come across that uh, word, it's the word "shamar" means to guard. Shemaria means guarded by the Lord, by Yahweh, guarded by the Lord. And it piques my interest when I see that word in Scriptures, as you can imagine. And reading through this passage this week, it says, Now the length of time the Israelites lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of 430 years, to the very day, all the Lord's divisions left Egypt because... The Lord kept Shammarim that night to bring them out of Egypt. The Lord kept a vigil. The Lord kept a vigil that night. The Lord guarded over. It was the blood that was the sign. But it was God who guarded Israel that night. On this night, all the Israelites are to keep Shamarim. They are to keep a guarding to honor the Lord for the generations to come. As we take this cup together, it's a reminder to me that God has guarded all of us and our families. Aren't you glad today that He is our Father and He is the one who's kept vigil He has kept vigil over you and over me. And we are called this day to receive this cup for us to keep vigil, for us to guard that memory of the blood of Jesus Christ that represents the love of God that was given for our lives and for our children. Let us drink together. Father, this empty cup reminds us once again of the empty tomb. The story does not end on the cross at Calvary. It begins. And the empty tomb was the evidence of the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead, brought Him back to life. He lives today. And you keep guard and vigil over our lives. And we leave this place celebrating the resurrection the first day of the week of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. 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 On the weeks that we uh, receive communion together, we also, uh, if the pastor remembers to mention it, <laughs> take a uh, offering for our helping fund, our benevolent fund, which we just used. To just help people who have needs, and we've had quite a bit of use of that uh, this last uh, year, and so our helping, need, our helping fund needs some help. Okay, so as you leave today, there'll be some offering plates in the back. If you'd like to make a donation to our benevolent or helping fund, you can do so, or anytime you want, you can do so as well, and we'll make sure that goes to just to help people in need as the opportunity arises for us. Let's pray, Heavenly Father. I thank you for the privilege of being here today, for sharing in worship in remembrance, in sharing of the love of Jesus Christ and your love for us. You're such a wonderful Father. We have so many reasons to be thankful, to give thanks to you for keeping vigil and watching over us this past week of our children and our grandchildren our families. And Lord, we leave this place in full confidence that you will do the same for us this week. And I thank you, Lord, for each person that's come today. There are so many places they could be, so many other things they could be doing, but they have chosen to sacrifice this time to come and worship and encourage one another. And so I ask your blessing upon them. May your peace and blessing go with them as we leave this place today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.